Welcome to the program, everyone. Um, this is the third episode, and everything's going great. Um, and today, I want to welcome to the vodcast Emily May Rose. She's an award-winning illustrator, street artist. Uh, she her her work has reached uh, corners of four continents. Is it? Um, and she's also the owner of Northern Contemporary Gallery. It's a space in Parkdale that is a, a vibrant art space and art collective. Um, She's also involved with uh, a bunch of different city programs that help beautify the city, and I want to welcome her today to the show. Welcome, Emily. Yeah, thank you. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself, how art grabbed you early, maybe uh, as a youngster, um, how you got involved and integrated into the arts community in Toronto. Uh, sure, yeah. Um, I mean, I've always been into art. Um I never really pictured myself uh, being an artist as my career, um, mostly because like I'm from a really small town and what town is that? Ta- I'm from Grimsby. Um, Grimsby. Yeah, it's a small town near Hamilton. Um, not a lot of artists coming out of Grimsby, uh, but uh, I don't know. It's just kind of like always something that I loved, um, and uh, my parents were kind of like, "Why? Why are you going to study art?" Um, so. Uh, I went to OCAD for university. Um, right. I studied illustration there, and I just completely fell in love with it. Like I, I kind of started to like quickly realize that it was like a viable career option to be an illustrator. Um, and there's all kinds of different things that you can do. Like illustrators affect like everybody's day to day life, right? Like you see like graphics on storefronts or like in advertisements, um, animations on TV. Like these are all things that. Uh, my school program uh, could kind of lead you on a path to becoming. So, um, turns out it was my just dream career. I didn't even realize it existed, but uh, it's fun. I get to do different stuff every week. Like sometimes I'm painting on a wall, sometimes I'm painting on shoes, on canvas. Um, I get to travel. Like uh, I just kind of like fell in love with it really quickly. Excellent. And a lot of people around the city might be familiar familiar with some of her work because it often features these cute little raccoons doing uh really getting into a lot of a lot of trouble i mean you might have seen it even recently there's a blog to article about uh some of the murals you've been involved with that were a response to uh staying inside and uh, uh, we're all in this together were the themes and they feature little raccoons basically running the city while everyone's on the inside. It was cute, and uh, I'm glad you were getting recognition on that level. But, yeah, raccoons are your your telltale kind of signature Yeah, they kind of became a Avatar almost. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what, what's with the raccoons? Um, I've always painted animals. Uh, when I was in high school, I used to paint, like, this little bunny character. And I don't know, like, I just kind of did, like, in like margins on notebooks and like on my binder and stuff. Like it was never in like my serious art um, until I was in OCAD and I did it like kind of as a joke in second year. I was still trying to like find my style and everything. And it ended up being like my most successful piece at OCAD. And um, I kind of realized that, that I was like, Oh, like this way that I've just been drawing kind of like subconsciously or just naturally um, since I was a kid, uh, that is my style. Right. And like if, the bunny looks like that and like what does a tree look like what does a person look like what do these other animals look like and animals was just like a fun character to work with I just think they're funnier than people um and since my work is so heavily inspired by like, my own experiences and my environment 
raccoons just kind of made sense because uh, a lot of my work is Toronto centric and they're such a fun character to work with. Like everyone, like maybe not everyone loves raccoons, but like everyone has a strong feeling towards raccoons. Yeah, Toronto has a very them. big <laughs> love hate relationship with raccoons. Yeah. Some people see them as cute, cuddly creatures. Some people call them affectionately as trash pandas, yes. and uh, they're a perfect uh, mascot for for living in the city. I, I I even remember some people from out of town looking at the raccoons, saying that they they thought they were they were they were as scared as of them as they were bears as we would be if bears were walking around the city for some reason there's just like a there's a weird there's a weird relationship that toronto it's like a cohabitation relationship toronto has with uh with raccoons but yeah they're cute so everyone if you see a raccoon on a mural or some street art or even around online you'll know who whose it is over Mm -hmm. here um but the reason i bring you on the cast today obviously we it's nice learning a little bit about you and, and, and that kind of thing. But uh, this, the theme of this, this vodcast is lockdown Toronto and uh, a lot of industries are being hit. A lot of communities are being hit. Uh, there are different levels of precariousness, precariousness among the different industries around Toronto and unique to Toronto. And Toronto has a vibrant arts community. And I couldn't have think, couldn't think of a better person to bring on to, to, to help speak to that and the level of threat the arts community is in Toronto uh, than, than you. That, that's why I ha- have you on this cast. And arts are integral, as anything is, to a vibrant city. I, I always personally, whenever I go to a new city, when I travel overseas, I always look at the nightlife. And not just nightlife as in uh, bar culture, that kind of thing, but the vibrancy of the art scene. A lot of artists do their work at night. Um, when it's quiet, when they're not distracted, and uh, the, a lot of them perform at night, and it's the, the uh, I call it the underbelly of the city, and, and when that's healthy, that to me indicates the health of a city. And I mean, this is a theme that's existed in society forever. Um, for example, Winston Churchill famously uh, defended the arts in, in the lead up to World War II, um, saying that they were as integral. The state's protection and encouragement of the arts is integral to having. A vibrant society. I'm paraphrasing him, of course. I have his quote somewhere in here, but I'm not going to go into his flowery language of it because it sounds a little little dated. But it, it, it's integral to have the the pillars of society, a good society, involve the arts, whether it be state sponsored or patronage or or whatnot. And obviously, in this crisis, people are looking at what priorities we should be uh, focusing on and. Arts seems to be the first among equals uh, sacrifice to the altar of necessity uh, in this in this crisis, and I, I want to bring you on to help speak to that and what the state. Let's let's begin with what the state of the arts was in Toronto pre-COVID. Were there a lot of supports? Were there a lot? Was there lots of funding? Obviously, there always can be more funding, but the vibrancy of it. Can you speak to that a little bit? Uh, yeah, Toronto. Um Toronto's got a really interesting, very diverse, um, like very bright artist community. Um, you know, I've, I've been able to kind of travel around and see what it's like in other cities. And um, Toronto is really unique. Like it's really tight knit. Um, and like, it's like a lot of like artists supporting artists, um, a lot of artist run spaces. Uh, and it's also just like, um, it's, very, it's very diverse, right? Like uh we, we have, like, kind of all different kinds of things. Another thing, too, is, like, Toronto has, like, a really high-caliber art scene. Um, like, I 
don't know, maybe I'm biased because, like, I'm here and I'm talking about, like, my friends and my community, but, like, compared to, like, a lot of different cities I've seen, like, Toronto is, like, an especially impressive city, um, talent-wise. As far as support goes, um, I think it's a really good city to be an artist in, professionally. Um, There is, like, a lot of work here. Uh, There's also a lot of support, um, like, in Toronto specifically, we have a lot of municipal support. The... uh, the Street Art Toronto program is amazing. They do tons of work around the city. And you're they involved support. a lot with them, correct? Yeah, yeah. No, I paint with Street Art Toronto a lot. Um, and uh, they're great. They run you know tons of projects a year. Um, and explain some of the projects that they are involved in or encourage, or even some of the municipal supports that encourage certain projects that we might see around on a daily basis just traversing the city. Yeah, um, I mean, I think the most popular one that everyone knows about is called Outside the Box, and those are like those traffic boxes around the city. Oh, yeah, uh, that's right. Those are really yeah, nice. Yeah, so those get painted once a year. Um, it's Street Art Toronto's like kind of big open call one, too, so I always tell people that's kind of a good foot in the door if you're looking to get into public art. Um, that's one of the ways that you can, like, anyone can apply. Um, another, another thing they do is uh, they do the laneway projects, too, so you kind of like find yourself in an alleyway in Toronto and suddenly like every garage is covered in artwork. A lot of those are city projects. Oh, nice. Um, and it's not just uh, the, the, was it gra- the graffiti alley is, is that part of that or no? Because that's almost become a, a very big tourist attraction. It is. Yeah. Um, no, that one was that organic. Run, like, yeah, it's more organic. It's run mostly based on like kind of etiquette as well. Um, oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, the, the laneway projects are kind of just like curated jams. They get done one time. All the artists at once go out and paint. Um, most like large work that you see in the city is usually supported by Street Art Toronto um, in some way. Like they do the major underpass projects. Um, they do, they, they bring in like sometimes out of town artists and do big walls. Um, lots of stuff around the city. That's excellent. And so you could fairly say that the robust scene in Toronto is one, our talent pool is great Two, the municipal supports were pretty good. And one begets the other begets the other begets the other. And and so over a period of time, you develop a very robust scene. Talk about some of the threats that the art scene in Toronto are currently under uh, because of the, the current crisis um, um, that's happening. Yeah. I mean, the, uh, the really cool thing in Toronto um, with our art scene is like there are a lot of spaces that are run kind of like by artists for artists. Um, we have a lot of like really cool independent spaces. Uh, so these are spots where like they don't receive any funding. Um, you know, it's it's usually artists that are running them. Um, so these are like most of our independent galleries. Uh, we have such like, as such as I mean Northern Contemporary. Um, mm-hmm. We're an independent space. Uh, there's also the like, Black Cat Gallery, um, Hashtag Gallery, uh, Patel Brown. Um, that, there's, there's so many to list. I'm going right, to miss a bunch right, if right. I keep going. <laughs> um, yeah, so they're but, independent uh, in terms of they get their funding elsewhere rather than from grants or whatever else, correct? Yeah, yeah, they don't rely on, on government funding at all. Um, so... These spaces, uh, it's really hard for us during this time because, I mean, it's Toronto, commercial rent is not cheap, um, and we were kind of like left up in the air for a long time about 
whether there would be any funding that these kind of spaces qualify for. Um, Cause you know, it's not a regular business that has like a payroll and stuff like these are like more micro businesses. Um, so, and uh, a lot of them are usually operating at a net neutral, neat neutral kind of cost overhead. They'll pull in just enough money to facilitate the operation of the space. Yeah. And I mean, a big part for all of these is like, you know, we make our, we, we cover our overhead with things like events or running a bar at openings or selling art. Um, and like most of these things, you know, it, it's something that we can't defer, right? We're never going to get these months back worth of events. Um, you know, it's a, it's like a, it's a hard business to kind of um, just put pause on. Right. Uh, yeah. So it's, it's been difficult. And are you seeing a lot of these styles of independent arts based businesses or arts based operations closing because of the current state of affairs? Um, now's kind of a hard time to say. Uh, like I know that a lot of art spaces, like most small businesses are struggling right now mm -hmm. um, and trying to kind of figure something out that can weather the storm. Um, so far, I haven't heard like of any of my friends' galleries having to having to shut down. Um, I think everyone's trying to figure out a way to get through this, right? Because it's it's not. I don't know. They're, the uproar is is too is too much. Like, no one wants these art spaces to close. But also, like when we were all starting our galleries, like no one planned for a pandemic. Right. Um, so in in in, in terms of that, and even if they were. To close, I imagine a lot of bit like a lot of businesses, a lot of these galleries are in kind of holding patterns because even if they were to close or move out, you can't really move out. Where are you going to move out to, or how is that you're opening up the space to kind of move things? Like it's, it's a weird thing. So, um, what about your gallery? What's the state of affairs with yours? Uh, we're still trying to work things out at Northern Contemporary. Um, you know, there's been a lot of back and forth. Um, and uh, I mean, right from the get-go, like we're trying to plan for like, we have like plan A, B and C ready to go, right? Like what's our best case scenario and, you know, how can we work towards that? But also like what's our worst case scenario and what are we going to do in the event of that? Um, obviously our best case scenario is we come to some kind of agreement that we can, you know, weather the storm, get through it, and then it's back to business as usual um, when the non-essential business ban is lifted. Uh, and then obviously our worst case scenario is that we have to move. Um, I don't think like shutting down completely was ever an option for me. Uh, like I've poured so much time and effort into Northern Contemporary. It's been like my entire life for over four years now. So it wasn't a question of like whether or not Northern Contemporary will come out of this. It's just like, how are we going to come out of this? Are we still going to be at the same space? Um, or are we going to move? Or are we going to be in like some kind of limbo doing a pop-up, right? Mm. So uh, yeah, right now it's, we're still working towards our best case scenario, but planning for our worst case scenario and um, trying to figure out something to keep us going in the meantime. Tell us a little bit about Northern Contemporary in terms of just in case the people I, I understand what it is, but some of the people at home might might be interested to understand what the space what's involved with the space and I mean it's a gallery obviously, but it's a lot more than that arguably. Uh, yeah, Northern Contemporary is um, kind of just become this entire art space now. 
so our kind of main thing has always been the gallery um, with a heavy focus on illustrative work. Uh, so it's just kind of something that I've always wanted to do, being an illustrator myself. Like I wanted to have a place where um, kind of like illustrative work, experimental, pop art, lowbrow, urban work, like all of those things that didn't used to typically fit in the gallery scene uh, would have a home in Toronto. Um, so we, we focus on that type of work and uh, we've always had artist studios in the back as well. So uh, our building now consists of, um, you know, gallery and event space, as well as about 30 artist studios um, with all different kinds of creatives in it. We have painters, sculptors, photographers. There's like a maker studio. space in the back. Exactly. Yeah. Um, like every type of creative that you can think of is back there. And then um, in this new space, we also got to add in Coffee Queen at the front. So we have coffee stuff from all of our work desks as well. Um, so it, it's a fun space. We have all, all different kinds of stuff going on. Um, you know, one week we might be doing a photography show and then, you know, sculpture illustration show, print show, and, and then like a zine launcher, live music, right? Like it's, it's fun that we, we don't really have like set rules on what we do in the space. Um, we have kind of like a vibe that we like to keep, but mostly we want it to be uh, something that's welcoming, right? Like I don't want it to be like a pretentious gallery that people feel like nervous that they don't know enough about art to come to. Like I want it to be kind of like a welcoming place where um, you can like comfortably just look at some cool stuff. And hang. It's, I mean, yeah. it, it's, it's a great space and uh, I'm quite familiar with it, but uh, a lot of people, it, probably are it's located in parkdale it's in an incredible space in the middle of the city and it contributes so to 30 artists or even there's more than that and there a lot of them uh contribute heavily to the toronto art scene and it would be such a shame for it to i mean even in its current configuration to change from that just given what a nucleus point it is for toronto's art art scene um i want to shift a little bit to political leadership um, who has, has any political, have any political leaders come to the table in defense of the arts or in the arts community during this crisis, or are a lot of them just overwhelmed with dealing with day-to-day -day concerns, um, of their citizenry or constituents? Um, I mean, the one that definitely, uh, stands out in Parkdale is, uh, Butilla Carpoche, our MPP. Um, she's been like, just amazingly supportive, uh, she's kind of been making sure that like if any type of small business is struggling or if, you know, your, your landlord landlords aren't trying to help you in any way. Um, she's been asking to, for them to reach out to her. Uh, she's been really great with us, like super receptive, super helpful. Um, and uh, she, she definitely like wants to see small businesses kind of survive this. Survive um, and thrive. Yeah. Yeah. So she's, she's been helping us and um, yeah, she's been, she's been great for the neighborhood. How has she been helping specifically? Uh, she's offered to, and she has uh, directly reached out to our landlord on our behalf. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, just, yeah, it's like, uh, I mean, it's hard enough for, to try to get like anyone to take me seriously. I'm very like young female business owner. Um, but uh, I think, uh, yeah, she was kind of like throwing her into the ring. Which, uh, I think he took us a little more seriously. Right. Um, and uh, she, I mean, she's just super smart and super reasonable. And um, yeah, I think it was a huge plus to have her speak to our landlords on our behalf. So you hear that, folks? 
get your political representatives involved if you're being steamrolled by your landlord during this, whether you're an artist or anyone else operating a small business. Um, so you mentioned that there might be some level of supports going on currently uh, in terms of funding or subsidies. Can you talk a little bit about that? Um, so the only one that has been announced uh, that we would qualify for um, like as a small business is uh, the most recent one with the rent relief. Um, so this program is... Commercial rent relief? Commercial rent relief, yeah. So uh, for this program, the landlord has to apply for it. Um, the tenant doesn't do the application. And uh, essentially the landlord agrees to lower the tenant's rental by uh, 75%. Um, so the tenant will pay 25% and then the government will reimburse 50% to the landlord who overall takes a 25% hit. Um, obviously like this is like way better uh, than anything we've seen so far. Um, the previous small business relief uh, was only affecting businesses with a payroll, um, which like a lot of businesses, especially even like mine, um, we don't have a payroll. So it did nothing for us. Um, a lot of the other uh, relief efforts were also loan-based, which like, again, when we're running a space where 95% of our income is coming from events and, um, you know, bar sales, things like that, uh, it doesn't make sense to go into more debt, right? We're not going to make up these months in the future. Um, like we needed something that was like relief funding or a straight up freeze. Um, so like this is definitely like a, a good step but but it, i mean 25 percent of our rent is still kind of like a hefty amount of money um, yeah and also because it puts 20 it requires landlords to agree with the government to take a 25 percent hit which is a huge disincentive for them to even bother with this exactly. they might be like okay well we won't. We just won't opt into the program. The, our tenants will be in default of the rent. We'll get to kick them out and eventually bring someone in long term. They might mm -hmm. take the short term pain for a long term gain in this. And it's essentially the other part of it that I I read is that it's being landlord driven. I mean, the landlords have to initiate yeah. the process, which is another burden. Like, a lot of landlords either are either ambivalent or just are just don't even want to do the work in terms mm -hmm. of uh, getting involved with that. So I, I also saw a report that came out today. One in only one in five landlords are even opting into the program. So it's been a, probably a big failure so far. And if that's the case, if you have, you know, four out of five businesses, small businesses that will be going out of business in Toronto, which would be a devastating loss to the mm -hmm. vibrancy of the city. Um, so that, that, what could be done to fix that, that, that program, if you had a magic wand today, what, what could they do? In I terms mean, if of I had a magic that? wand, like I would just call for a full rent freeze, um, freeze on rent, freeze on property taxes for the landlords, everything, whatever. Um, because like, I don't know, I have, I have heard that like this funding has helped some businesses, um. And, uh, you know, this, this will work for them, but those are probably businesses that like, maybe they're making some online sales so they can cover that 25% and, you know, their landlord is going to help them out by taking the 25% hit. I think it's smart, um, of those landlords to take that 25% hit because I mean, otherwise 
you know, your space is just going to sit empty. Um, I, you know, worth it to make some money rather than no money at all. Um, I also think that, you know, like we don't know what things are going to look like after the this lockdown ends. And, you know, if there's a ton of storefronts sitting empty, not a lot of people are going to be starting up businesses right at, right out of this, right? So right, their future is just as precarious as anyone else's. I mean, and they're exactly. sitting on property, but at the end of the day, they'll want to make their mortgage payments or whatever other financing obligations that they have in place. It only makes sense, other unless they're intentionally being malicious or have some other ulterior motive into getting their uh, pressuring their tenants to leave. Because we all know the property. The property values in Toronto are insane. They're through the roof. So uh, I could imagine a scenario where a property owner, uh, delusional property owner is probably thinking, oh, I will get more for my property if Mm -hmm. I push them to break this lease or push these people out of my space. And they might be operating in a bit of a a bubble of their own making, perhaps, when it comes to that. So, uh, but speaking of things that can be done, um, are there any uh, homegrown relief programs or uh, collective actions that are happening right now that uh, may perhaps the viewers can opt into if they need to? Uh, yeah, I mean, um, we did start one. Uh, I mean, we as a Northern Contemporary, um, along with our friends at Toronto Designers Market and Parkdale Fleet, uh, we put together the Creative Relief Collective. Um, so this started as just being um, kind of like a platform where we would uh, list like all of these different Canadian makers and designers that are operating online and, you know, could use some extra support during this time. Um, so uh, it came from like, I don't know, I just kept seeing posts on on Facebook and stuff that it was like, you know, who are some local artists that I can support right now? Or like, I need to buy soap, list like local soap makers it was like, oh, what if all of this was just like on one website and you could find all of these like local small businesses and independent makers and things like that. So we started to put together uh, like a directory um, of different Canadian local cre- uh, makers and creatives. Um, so that is up and running. Um, and then alongside it, we also started a fundraiser on Facebook uh, where all of the funds raised from that will be dispersed amongst uh, all those people on the directory. Um, so that is still something that people can sign up to be a part of. Where can um, they find that? They just search uh, for? Yeah, it's a creativereliefcollective.com. Okay, great. And are there others that, uh, that that people can opt into or help support? I'll be linking all these in the show notes below, um, but it, it would be wise to perhaps explain. Yeah, Get- um, there are a few other... Um, specifically artist grants that have been put out. Um, I've been on some email lists that have been getting like all of these different uh, kind of like grant programs um, that have opened up. Uh, so I can send you the links to put into those ones. As well. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll do that as well. I mean, some of the guests I've had on in the past episodes have mentioned ways. I mean, we're all kind of struggling and some of us have more means than others in order to help. I mean, if all you have is the ability to assist yourself, by all means do that. But there are folks out there who might want to help um, others during this uh, during this crisis mm-hmm. and during the lockdown in, in ways where they have more material uh, 
um, resources than uh, others um, and can help in that way. So I will be linking a lot of those below. Um, and just a few more questions, but um, really, how do you see this in the medium and long term playing out? Let's say within a month, the the non-essential lockdown is lifted. How do you see... How do you see Toronto's um, arts art scene rebooting? I mean, I'm I'm hoping. I mean, if it can be, if it's lifted as soon as a month from now, I'm hoping that you know we've weathered the storm enough, and that these art spaces are all still going to be there in a month. Um, if this goes on much longer than that, uh, and there is no other relief um, offered to to small businesses or stuff that galleries would qualify for, like I think we're going to see a huge loss of um, independent art spaces. Uh, I know like people are going to be going into their savings and stuff, trying to keep their galleries afloat and uh, you can only do that for so long. Um, so I think we're, yeah, we're, we'll see a huge loss of, of independent art spaces of, you know, different small businesses um, that support kind of like local artists and designers. Um, I mean, I, I hope there's like, some agreement can be reached with these different spaces that, you know, we can hold on until this, until this lifts. Um, but uh, I don't know. I think we might see a shift, maybe, I don't know, spaces kind of like downsizing um, or, you know, maybe even like collaborating and like joining forces with other spaces. Uh, Cause uh, the longer it goes on, kind of like the harder it is. Right. Right. And I mean, there's a, a bit of it, inertia that happens when um it, it remains stagnant for so long it's hard to pick up the pieces and just start up again and i'm sure a lot of people will be apprehensive and scared to even go to things like gallery openings or uh events that happen within art spaces and it's going to be it's going to be an interesting time going forward at least for the next little while for the arts community in Toronto. Emily, I, I really want to thank you for your time today. I really appreciate the insight that you provided to us. And for those who would like to get in touch with you or follow your work, um, if you would like to to mention how people can get in touch with you, your social media presence, um, your, your, your contacts. Yeah. Um, I'm just Emily May Rose on Instagram. And uh, you can find me also at www.emilymayrose.com. Thanks, Emily. I really appreciate you being here. And uh, thanks for everyone, everyone for tuning in. And these are going to be happening at least two or three times a week. So I hope you've enjo- been enjoying them so far. And we'll see you in the next one.